part of our fall stewardship campaign, we're beginning a new series in which I'm inviting you to think with me about some of the, the great movie classics of our time. And I wanted to say a few words before we begin, because there are some in our society who would say that there is no room uh, in the church for secular movies. They make a very clear distinction between what is secular and what is sacred. Um, these are the folks, for example, who think that certain books should be banned for, from reading in schools, like Harry Potter, for example. Um, they tend to also be skeptical about the modern sciences, psychology and evolution. Christ and culture they think of as being 180 degrees apart. Um, and of course, there are parts of our culture, like any culture, that are really antithetical to the good news. But I tend to be one of those who believes that since in the beginning God created everything that is, that God can and God does use virtually anything to reveal God's self. And since Jesus was the word who became flesh, that the distinctions that we make between sacred and secular are often blown up to be much more than they really are. So I often find inspiration, I suspect you do too, in secular music or great art or a novel, and yes, through movies. So you'll remember that um, just last Advent, we did a wonderful series based on Dickens' Christmas Carol. And I'm happy to announce that this Lent, we will be doing another based on Victor Hugo's Les Mis. So this morning, we begin with a Disney classic, The Lion King. And what you may not know is that The Lion King is actually a biblical idea. It starts all the way back in the book of Genesis in the time of Jacob, who you remember got renamed as Israel. Jacob, who had 12 sons, the most famous of whom was Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat, Donny Osmond, talking about secular and sacred. The sons became the 12 tribes of Israel, and one of those brothers was named Judah. Now, when Jacob was coming to the end of his life, he says, he pronounces a word over each of his sons, and these words would come to shape and define their lives. And this is what Jacob says to Judah. Bob? Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches down. He stretches out like a lion, like a lioness, who dares rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and the obedience of the people is his. So Jacob speaks of a coming kingdom in which a descendant of Judah is going to reign. But this is a sweeping promise that for generations no one understood. Kings of Israel, they came and they went. In fact, for centuries, foreign powers ruled the nation of Israel. So even in the days of Jesus, a thousand years later, they were waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. And in those days, the followers of Jesus came to believe that he was the long-awaited lion of the tribe of Judah. 
And that is captured in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, when the writer, looking out on all hell breaking loose in the early church, they're being persecuted. It's a time of sadness and confusion. And in one of his visions, one of the elders comes to him, and this is what he says. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Ah, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. So this morning we begin with the Lion King. Not the gospel according to Disney, mind you, but the gospel that we can find in Disney. Those are not the same thing. So let me remind you, it came out in 1994. Um, I'm pretty sure we took our oldest daughter Molly to see it. I'm absolutely sure we took Molly and Mariah to see the musical on Broadway one summer when we were there for a wedding. It was the highest grossing film of the year. It won two Oscars, one of which was for um, the best soundtrack, which was written by Elton John and Tim Rice. Right. So what we want to do this morning is we want to show you a few clips from that movie, and we want you to look for the gospel in the story. So the opening scene and the wonderful song that Katie just sang for us, The Circle of Life, two things that people have seen in that that point to the gospel. One is you remember that a lion and a lioness give birth to a baby cub who will one day, of course, grow up to be king. And after his birth, he is anointed by the great mandrel prophet priest Rafiki, and this scene looks all the world like a baptism, an anointing with all the animals of the kingdom, the community of faith, if you will, uh, coming to hail the newborn child, which is exactly what you do when you promise to help parents raise a child in the nurture of the faith. Now, there are others who look at this very scene this, that you're about to see and who see something different. They see instead the birth of Jesus. So here is the Lion King of Judah, Jesus, who is uh, being anointed. And you remember that in Greek, the word anointed is Christos. So Christ is really not his last name. Um, in the Hebrew, it is Messiah. So what we have here, they say, is the birth of the coming one and the shepherds and the wise men represented as coming to hail the newborn king. And then you'll remember that on the eighth day, Luke tells us that Jesus is taken up into the temple and the old man Simeon takes the baby into his arms and then he is lifted up in the temple. And then finally, you'll see in the clip that you're about to see the beam of light that comes out of the heavens and shines on the little cub. And you remember that Jesus, when he was baptized later on in his life, uh, the clouds part and a, a voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. So here is a little clip about two minutes into the movie, picking up on Katie's song. Oh, 
All of you over here are the bouncing chimps. You are the, you are the zebras on this side. So the first part of the story is very much a father-son story. King Mufasa, voiced by the deep-throated James Earl Jones and his son Simba. And the father is trying to raise his son in the traditions, in the faith of his people. He's telling him about the things that he is supposed to do and the things that he is not supposed to do. And you may remember that one of the things he is not supposed to do is to visit the elephant's graveyard because that's where the hyenas live and they like to um, munch on little lion cubs. And so, as every father or mother here knows, as soon as you tell them this is the one thing that you are not allowed to have, this is the place you are not allowed to go, that's what Simba does. He immediately finds his little buddy, Nala, and off they go. And of course, what they run into is a band of hyenas who are just about to have them for lunch when King Mufasa arrives and rescues them. And then, of course, is the teachable moment. Simba, I'm very disappointed in you. I know. You could have been killed. You deliberately disobeyed me. And what's worse, you put Nala in danger. I was just trying to be brave like you. I'm only brave when I have to be. Simba, being brave doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. But you're not scared of anything. I was today. You were? Yes. I thought I might lose you. Oh, I guess even kings get scared, huh? Mm hmm But you know what? What? I think those hyenas were even scared. Because <laughs> nobody messes with your dad. Come here, you. Oh, no, no. Right. And we'll always be together, right? Simba, let me tell you something that my father told me. Look at the stars. The great kings of the past look down on us from those stars. Really? Yes. So whenever you feel alone, just remember that those kings will always be there to guide you. And so will I. And what that scene reminds me of is really the high calling of parenting, for some the highest calling, and of grandparenting. Um, because it really does take a whole village to, to pass on the wisdom and the story of our ancestors. And of course, that is particularly difficult today in our post-Christian culture because there are so many, and in particular, there are so many millennials who are just not 
interested. You hear it all the time, right? I'm very spiritual, but I'm not religious. And of course, there are good reasons why many people today are leery about religion and religious institutions. The problem with that is that Christianity, like every other faith, is not just intuitive. It is a learned faith. We get to know Jesus 2,000 years later by getting to know this one who actually walks the pages of the New Testament. How can they know if they never experience a worshiping community, a community serving others, a community taking care of one another? So this is really what Whirl and Vacation Bible School and Stage are really all about. It's conveying to them, you are not just my child, you are God's child. And God has a purpose for you as an individual and for us as a people. So this summer when we took the CAT, the Congregational Assessment Tool, we said that one of our high priorities is to reach out to young families. But so essential that every one of us realizes that these young families are not a resource for us. They are not there so that next year my back doesn't ache from raking leaves for seniors. They are not a resource. They are a mission, and it is a long-term mission. So, in every great story, of course, there is a protagonist, but there is also an antagonist. And in this story, the antagonist is Mufasa's brother, uh, Simba's uncle, Scar. And you're supposed to be scared just a little bit. Scar. And Scar represents the dark side of the force. The dark side really in all of us. And so when you see this character, you are meant to be repulsed by him. But you are also meant to see some of yourself in him. The jealousy and the covetousness and the desire for status and control that are the dark side in every one of us. And not just in each of us, but in us as a people, in our institutions, in the church, in our nation. There's a wonderful scene in the movie where Scar's troops, the hyenas, are pictured as marching and they look every bit like you would think of Nazis marching in World War II. So the dark side is anything that draws us away from God and from who we really are as a person, as a people. And the interesting thing is that this dark side, this evil force, is also pictured in the story as a lion, scar, as is also true in the Bible. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but in the first letter of Peter, we read this. It says, keep alert like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. You must resist him. And the story paints an amazing picture of the way this lion goes about his dirty work. Scar sets up a situation in which he hopes to kill not only his brother Mufasa, but also his nephew Simba. Uh, he sends Simba to a gorge and he says to him, your father wants you to wait here, just wait. And then he sends the hyenas to rouse up a group of wildebeests who are going to come cascading through the gorge and crush little Simba. 
Scar, at the same time, goes to Mufasa and says, your son is in danger, I'm sorry to tell you, but there is a herd of wildebeest heading through the gorge where he is. And Scar's plan is partially successful because Mufasa goes and he gives his life for his son. But Simba lives. And then this is how Scar seeks to get rid of Simba. Simba. He tried to save me. It was an accident. I didn't mean for it to happen. Of course, of course you didn't. No one ever means for these things to happen. But the king is dead. And if it weren't for you, he'd still be alive. <gasps> what will your mother think? What am I gonna do? Run away, Simba. Run. Run away and never return. And it's interesting to watch Scar here. You know, the word devil means literally slanderer. The word for Satan means accuser. In fact, in the book of Revelation, Satan is, is described as the accuser of God's people. He lies to us about who we are as a person and as a people, and sometimes tries to convince us that because we haven't lived up to all we have it in us to be, that we are therefore unforgivable, that we are unredeemable. And so, like the prodigal son, Simba runs away from who he really is. He runs away to a foreign land where he meets two very carefree critters, a meerkat named Timon and a warthog named Pumbaa. And they teach Simba that the way to deal with life is to simply forget. Just live in the present. Don't care too much about anything. It's a problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. And it's one of the most entertaining parts of the whole movie, not to mention Bob Marley's musical repertoire. So let's be clear about something. All of us at some times need to get away from it all. All of us need an evening where we're just not going to talk about it tonight. Or a time when we just got to get out of Dodge. That's not what this is about. Simba deals with life by not dealing with it. Edmund Burke once said, the only thing necessary for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. The pastor Martin Niemöller uh, was very critical of the German intellectuals and the German uh, clergy during the rise of the Nazis. He said, first they came for the socialists, and I didn't say anything because... I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't Jewish. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Hakuna Matata has its place, but it also has its limits. On a lesser note, you know people to whom this applies. These are the people who don't vote. 
because all politicians are crooked, but then complain endlessly when the people that other people have elected do whatever they do. These are the people who retire and think that their whole mantra in life is, it's my time now. As though the last third of your life can be nothing more than an endless series of tea times and pickleball games. These are the people who approach a pastoral transition and who have decided, I'm just going to wait and see. I'm not going to give too much of myself. I'm not going to give much of my money. I'm just going to wait and see, which is the surefire recipe for a church to fail. It's very easy, but to remember that you are an essential part of the community and God is still calling you. So Simba realizes at one point there is more to life. And so like the prodigal son, Jesus says, eventually came to himself. Simba remembers. He connects with who he really is. And here is one of the most moving scenes in the movie. You move fossils, boy. Bye. Hey, wait. You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. Don't dawdle. Hurry up. Hey, whoa, wait, wait. Come on. Come on. Would you slow down? That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. 
So Simba remembers. He remembers who he is and whose he is. He returns to the homeland and he re-engages in the struggle. Someone has said the essence of sin is forgetfulness. And likewise, the essence of stewardship, Ron's been sitting here wondering when I would actually get to stewardship, the essence of stewardship is remembering who you are and taking your God-given gifts, your time, your energy, your money, and making them part of the answer because otherwise you are a part of the problem. So Simba returns to his people living in pain and misery as one day the Bible says the Lion King of Judah will return to this earth and so the writer of the book of Revelation, writing to his people in persecution, says, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. And so here is that scene worked out in the movie. And at one point, I'll read some words from the book of Revelation at the right time. They shall hunger no more, nor thirst. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in their midst will be their shepherd. He will guide them to streams of living water. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
Come home to who you are and take your place among his people. Amen.